Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Business and Legal Q&A Live. This is utlradio.com, business success and legal information station, and I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Now, today we're going to be answering the following question submitted by Brian from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And he asks, how do I know when it's time to expand my business and hire more staff? I own a small marketing company, just me and an assistant. My wife says I need to hire more people, but I'm afraid about overextending myself. What should I do? So, Brian, thank you for submitting your question. Of course, you'll be receiving a utlradio.com mug. Uh, Portsmouth, by the way, is a beautiful town right outside of Maine, and it's just a very friendly cool town to visit. So um, you know, I, I was actually just there maybe uh, six months ago. It's just a really fun place to be. So cool town that you live in, Brian. Thanks for submitting your question. I'm going to get to your answer in just one second, but, but before I do, I want to thank today's sponsor. And today's show is sponsored by Junk Food Critic, a popular food blog since 2009. And it's been featured on various shows and media outlets such as Market Watch, The New York Post, WHPR, News 92, and News Radio KRLD. A Junk Food Critic is a mobile series now on YouTube with host Olivia Benamati. Sorry about that, Olivia. Olivia Benamati. Now, to check out this really cool and really fun junk food um, video series, what you should do is go to junkfoodcritic.com, and I'm going to have a link to that site in the show notes. But junkfoodcritic.com, they have links to the YouTube show, and the show is fun and interesting, so check that out. I want to thank Junk Food Critic for sponsoring today's show. Now let's get back to the question at hand. How do you know when it's time to expand and hire more staff? Now basically, I'm viewing this question as, um, Brian, you're asking whether or not you should hire more staff. as opposed to expanding, because really expanding and hiring more staff, sometimes we use them synonymously, like we say, I want to expand, you know, expand my business and hire more people, like your question is phrased here. But when I talk about expansion versus hiring new people, you know, expansion to me sounds like bringing in more products or opening up another location. So, I'm going to, you know, limit today's discussion to talking about hiring more staff because that's what I think you're asking about. Uh, We can do a separate show where we talk about how do we know when it's time to expand our business because that in and of itself could be an entire show because there are so many things that you have to be aware of, you know, not overextending yourself when you're opening up new locations and and that sort of thing. But let's stick today with what I think your question is, which is, um, you know, basically, how do I know when to hire more people? And, you know, I, I'm going to tell you how I know how to hire more people. Uh, it starts off with coming home at night and nobody being awake in the house. Um, and then having your kids see you on a Saturday or Sunday and not know who you are. Those are signals for me, hey, I better hire more people because I'm losing my life. I'm losing my family. And, and for a lot of us in business, you know, and, and entrepreneurship, you think to yourself, well, the business is my life, but it's not. Your life is your life, and your business life is part of your life. So, you know, some people out there will say, oh, no, the business is all I know 24-7. That's all I do. Well, 
you know, I doubt that you're going to be super duper happy if that's truly all you do. So understanding, first of all, that you have a life outside of your business, even though you might be living and breathing your business all, you know, throughout the day, throughout the week, you know, you're not going to run away and say, oh, if a customer calls me on Saturday, I'm not going to answer because it's my day off. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But my point here is that when you start to run out of the ability or you don't have the ability any longer to be involved in your own life where, you know, you don't have time with your wife, you don't have time with your kids, that's a trigger. That, that says, hey, listen, something's not right here. And, and while I joke a little bit about it, um, you know, that, that happened to me. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story and hopefully, you know, that'll answer some questions. And then I'll, I'll go into some more specific things for you, Brian. So a number of years ago, I decided after working on Wall Street at a large law firm and, and other firms and uh, being a partner at a firm, I decided that, you know, hey, listen, it's time for me to make my own rules and to do things the way that I think might be good. So I'm going to open up my own practice. And, you know, that whole idea of opening up your own law firm, it's the equivalent of opening up your own business as an entrepreneur. Forget about what I do for a living. Talk about the journey to starting your own business, because that's really what being an entrepreneur is. And so it doesn't matter what I do. You can take my story and you can equate it to any profession that, that you're in. Okay. And, you know, I, I went out and I thought to myself, I'm going to bring some people on board right away. And I, I, you know, money was an issue. And I said, you know, maybe I'll just bring one person. So I decided to bring an attorney with me and I thought, all right, the two of us can make it happen. Um, and I was counting on this other attorney to bring work into the, into the, the brand new firm. And it wasn't happening. And so quickly you realize, all right, you can't afford to have somebody here who's working with you and not bringing in or producing revenue, but, you know, revenue's going out. You've got to pay payroll. You've got payroll taxes, employment taxes. And so it quickly dawned on me, hey, this isn't going to work right. So, you know, I, I'm going to have to to make other arrangements. And, um, you know, we ended up parting ways on really good terms, which is nice because in any profession, when you part ways with a, with a coworker or employee, yeah, it oftentimes gets to be uncomfortable and contentious. And it's really nice when you can walk away from a, a business relationship still liking the person. So that, that's a pretty cool thing in and of itself. But so here I am, right? And I'm working and it's me and I'm trying to figure out what do I do, you know, brand new at, at, at running your own firm. So I, I tried to outsource some work and you've got to be very careful with who you're outsourcing work to and what sort of outfit or operation you're using. And you know, I had used in particular uh, a company that was answering the phones and, you know, the, the charges, when you see the general package that they give you, it looked like it was a very affordable plan. But then when you get all these overages and these other charges, it's like, whoa, you know, I might as well just hire somebody for what I paid you. And, you know, I, I kind of settled in and I said, all right, I'm just going to hunker down and do this myself until the, I get to the point where I know that I need to bring somebody in and I know I can afford it. So there's the first step. You know, you've, you've got to understand that you do have to pay people and you do have to make sure that you're not overextending yourself financially to the point where, 
your all of your money going in is going to employees and 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 not back into the business then some people will say to me well wait a minute paying an employee is going back into the business and yes that's true if the employee is bringing a benefit to you a benefit to the company and it doesn't necessarily need to be a monetary benefit in the sense that, that, that this person is bringing in clients. It just means that you have more time, you can do more marketing, you can bring in more clients, you can you know hone your own skills, whatever it might be. That has a value. And if that is something that's beneficial, that value that you're deriving from an employee, well, the second part of that is, do you have enough money to afford that value? And you've got to look realistically and sort of understand what is your monthly income? What is your monthly expenditure? You know, where can you cut a little bit to make sure that you are still comfortable? You can still have food on the table. You can still provide for your family or yourself without worrying that you can't make payroll every other week or what, it, you know, however you structure your, your pay cycle. So I think, Honesty with yourself is super important. And going back to my story, you know, I said, all right, I honestly, I know that I can't afford people right now. So I started working and doing everything myself. I said, listen, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do the most I can do while my work product is still high quality. I'm going to spend as much time as I can at work getting this stuff done and, and hope that my family understands and try to do what I can to be around for them when they need me. And, you know, I was working probably 13, 14, 15 hours a day because you're a one-man show and you're trying to build this, this branded business. And, you know, within, I would say, six months, I started getting busier because now some of the uh, some of my efforts were being rewarded by new clients and new opportunities. And I, I realized quickly that, okay, I'm working 15 hours, but my day is frantic. It's one thing to the next, and I can't focus. There's so much going on and so many things that I have to do, and I can't get that. And that was starting to stress me out. And then you started to see things slip a little bit, like, you know, maybe you weren't returning a phone call as quickly as you were five months ago. So, and, and, you know, I pride myself in doing things in, in a proper manner, um, you know, and so that was starting to weigh on me. And then I'd come home and I'd be super cranky and I might, you know, sit down and talk to my wife who had had her own day with my kids. And, you know, and that's tough. Being a mom, a stay at home mom, especially is not an easy job. And I say this all the time. I get the opportunity to say it. Being a mom is a full-time job. And when you're a working um, I don't know how you do it, but um, really, really look up to, to moms in general. Uh, but so anyway, so when I got home at night, you know, my wife was kind of cranky and irritable because she'd been with the kids all day. And I was just a beast because I wasn't getting what I wanted to get done, done. And I was tired, overtired. You know, I was living on caffeine and it just was starting to, to make me break down and burn out. And I realized, okay. I'm making enough money that I can afford to hire somebody. Who do I need? What position do I need to fill? So I started looking at, well, where would I derive the most benefit? 
And that is from an office assistant because I would have this person do all of these tasks that I no longer have to do. And in my mind, what that's going to do for me is decrease my stress, allow me to um, delegate some of the less, you know, the, the less, I don't, don't want to say valuable because it's all valuable, but some of the lesser work, I can delegate that. And that would help me buy some time for myself. Maybe I could come home a little bit earlier. Maybe I could spend more time, you know, on um, the cases, or maybe I could spend more time on marketing or whatever it might be. And so I started to, to really look at the numbers and say, what can I afford to pay somebody? What would help me um, in the office? What skills, what qualities do I need? And I brought one person on. And that one person was helpful. It was starting to alleviate some of the stress that I was feeling because I wasn't getting all of the things that I had set out in my mind to get done in a day. And, and this was starting to help. So now I started seeing a benefit. And the benefit was, all right, I've got this extra time and now I can devote more quality time to the clients or more quality time to marketing. And things were going good. And, you know, there's this sort of desire to, hey, if one is good, two is better. So there's this, this, this almost innate feeling that you have that says, you know, if I, I, I've got one, I could use another, and then how much more productive would I be? But, you know, you have to sort of resist that temptation to just jump out and go bring on more employees without doing that same sort of analysis. And, and the analysis that I'd like you to use, uh, Brian, is, A, is it affordable? What is it going to do to your bottom line? What is it going to do to you on a monthly basis? Are you able to afford it? So that's, that's number one. Now, you know, when I say are you able to afford it, take the flip side of that and say, are you um, – is it necessary? Is, it, is the so overwhelming that maybe tightening the belt a little bit would be worth it because the payoff is going to be so high? So you, you've got to think about those things. Those are the, the first things you should think about. What is the budget? What's the benefit of hiring somebody um, to me? Is it worth the money? And if the answer to that is yes, I can afford to hire somebody, and yes, there's a benefit, then that's step one ticked off in your little checkbox in your mental mind, right? Your mental checkbox. Then you go into the next part, which is what do I need and how can they help me? So if I was in the perfect scenario, who would I need here to help me? What would they be doing? So I think personally, it's really important to kind of break out the tasks and job description in your mind. What would you have this person do? Because having a lot of warm bodies in the office might make it cozy and you might have uh, a good time. But if you're spending money on things that you don't need or, or work that's not getting done, you don't want to spend your time managing everybody and having no time because that happens. It happens when, for example, you weren't ready to bring somebody else on board and now you find yourself trying to figure out what you can give them to do. You know, what can I have this person do? Oh, they're out of something to do. Now what do I do? You spend your time 
figuring out what tasks you can assign to them, and you're not doing any work. So that's no good. So there is this balance. And you've got to be able to analyze sparse. Do I have the money? Or is it so critical that I've got to find the money to do it? And then the next step is, what do I need this person to do? What is the ideal person for me? What can they do for me? That's what you have to look at. And in your case, you know, Brian, you've got an assistant. So I would assume that this is a full-time assistant and you're paying her or him. And you've got to decide now, what is your workload? You know, what is your day spent doing? What are you doing during the day? Before I look to hire somebody else, bring somebody new on board, I always sit back and I always say, what are we as an organization doing during the day? And I'll, I'll you know, maybe circulate a, a little uh, survey and I'll say, tell me what you spend most of your time doing every day. And this goes out to all the employees. And, and you know, you get some feedback and, and people are generally, um, at, least, at least here, generally honest. And they'll say, well, you know, I spend probably an hour to an hour and a half uh, between lunch and talking to people. And, um, you know, then I spend some time faxing and scanning and maybe I fight with the broken fax machine. And then, you know, what that does is it helps you learn where you can see how or, or how you can, can sort of reconfigure your office dynamic. So if you find out from somebody that all right, some of the equipment is malfunctioning and that's causing delays. Well, maybe your investment should be in equipment improvements and not in another employee because if you add up the time that your employees spent fighting with your, your with the machine, like that fax machine in office space, which is like the best scene in the movie, the fax machine that keeps eating your faxes. And then finally, when the, the guys get fired, um, Peter takes the fax machine and he puts it in his car, and he's like, I got a surprise for you. Remember this scene? And then he takes him out to this open field and gives him a baseball bat, and Samir and Michael Bolton get to, to beat the hell out of the fax machine. So if you've got a fax machine or other hardware problem like that, you might be able to salvage some time from your employees. You might be able to make you know, some uh, technological improvements that save you from having to hire somebody else. So about doing a survey with your existing employees. Now, my, uh, Brian, in your case, it's just you and an assistant. But what you should really do is have a sit down with your assistant and find out what works, what doesn't work. Because I would imagine that you're not micromanaging your assistant and you're allowing him or her an opportunity to do things on their own. So they're going to be able to tell you things that you might not be aware of. All right. Now, once you've done that and you know hey, look, everything's functioning right. It's just a matter of us having too much work and we can't meet the needs of our customers or clients. Then you got to go back and say, okay, I have looked at the money. I know what benefit I could derive from the type of person that I think I need to hire. I've analyzed all of the other time loss scenarios where I can see if I can sort of find some time. Technology's okay. You know, I've thrown the water cooler out the window, so now nobody can talk over the water cooler. You know, all these things. And, and now you say, all right, but still, even if I take care of all of those things, we still need help. The work is just too deep. Then you start thinking about adding a person. And, you know, there's, again, this, this sort of rush 
to, well, maybe I need two people or three people. And you can kind of get way ahead of yourself. I am a big believer in, you know, be cautious, right? I'm not like super conservative where, you know, you don't take any risk because no risk, no benefit. But when it comes to something like this, think of it in two ways. A, you don't want to hire too many people and have to let them go because A, it's uncomfortable. B, you're going to be spending money on these people. C, you've wasted your time training them. And on the other end of that spectrum, you don't want to be unfair to somebody. You don't want to bring somebody into a company, hire them, and then three weeks later tell them they have to leave because you don't have enough money. So think about that. Think about that balancing act. Make sure that you don't jump the gun and bring in all these people because two is better than, than, than one and five is better than four. You just get yourself crazy. So you've got to really kind of remain in control and really be analytical. You know, you've got to be Mr. Spock and be logical. You've got to look at your revenue and ability to pay these people, what people you need, what skills you need, and what it can do for you. And then you look at ruling out all of those other issues, technology, time wasting, you know, maybe you need a better policy in the office, maybe there's not a, um, you know, a, a sort of a, a, a lunch policy or a break policy where you're able to see what people are doing or when they're coming back. All of these things come into play. And then you can make that informed decision, yes, I'm going to bring somebody on. And then when you get to that point, you need to do it a little bit at a time. You know, Brian, you're a small business, and you don't want to go out on a hiring craze and bring in four people. Because if you're struggling with the idea of bringing on one other person, don't get caught up in the idea of more is better because more is less for you, and if you don't have enough work to spread around or you're hiring people that are not qualified, it's not going to help you, okay? So how do you know when it's time to expand as far as your staff? Just what I said, just my, like my experience. When you're overwhelmed, when your work quality starts to diminish, when you are working harder but getting less and less done, when your family becomes a, a second thought, you know, a side note in your life, when you miss opportunities with your children, the ability to see them at a Halloween parade at their school or the first day of school, when you start missing those things, those are red flags that you've got to be aware of and start this self-critical analysis, you know, and say, hey, maybe I need to hire somebody. Once, you know, you, you get somebody on, then it's a whole different story. You know, now you get this other employee on. What happens if your workload changes? Do you immediately fire them? Do you wait? That's, a, that's another topic, and, and that's not your question. So I'm not going to answer that, but I want to just throw that out food for thought. Think about six months from now. Is this work um, sort of overflow temporary, or is it permanent? Or do you hope it to be permanent? Or is there something that if you do it better, you can make it permanent? You've got to look to uh, the quality and nature of your overflow. Is it temporary or permanent? Because that's going to have an impact on what you do, what you hire, too. You know, just think about the holiday season in the retail world. 
What do they hire? What do you see the signs for? Part-time holiday help, right? They don't say, or full-time holiday help, whatever you know it is, but it's holiday help. You're, there's an expectation that if I get this job, I'm not here forever. Maybe I can prove myself and maybe I'll stay on, but you know going into it that you're hired for holiday help. And if you know that your uh, overflow is temporary in nature, maybe you need a temporary employee so that you're not overextending yourself. Like I said, it's great to have people here in your office. It's even better to have people that are like, you know, buttering you up all day. Oh, you're such a great boss. Oh, you're this, you're that, right? But it's not great to pay people when they're either not qualified or you don't need them. You as a small business, a small employer, you have to think bare bones and then slowly build because while there are those unique stories of companies that have just shot up and blown up and all of a sudden now we've got 40, 50, 60 employees in two months, I'm going to suggest to you that most small businesses like yours, Brian, do not, you know, it just doesn't happen that way. You have to build yourself up over time by being smart and being semi-conservative with hiring people. Now, if your situation sounds like some of those things that I described, you know, being overwhelmed to the point of, of, of producing such anxiety and stress for yourself that you don't want to go into the, into the office, or you get into the office and there's so much to do that you don't want to do anything because you don't know where to start. Those are, are more warning signs. These are the things that would lead me to suggest to you, if you're honest with yourself, honest with your finances, and honest with your needs, you're going to be able to make that determination on your own, should I bring somebody in? And I think that um, without knowing more, I think that I, I, I've got to suggest to you that you take stock of your own situation and analyze your business right now with those three points that, that I've been discussing. Find out for yourself, do you have the money? What's the person that you're looking for? What are the skills and what's the benefit of that person? And can I save time and, and, and the need for an employee by fixing something in my current situation? If you honestly look at those three factors, you're going to be able to decide, you know what, I, I, I can't. I can't make this work without somebody else. And I've got the money, and I know what I need this person to be or do or the skills that I need them to have. And I, I, I've searched everything else. There's no other way for me to save time in the office. You know, everything's working fine. Well, that's when you decide, all right, I'm going to bring somebody on. And then you go slow, slowly, one at a time, okay? If you have a unique situation, and I'll, I'll explain one. I was working for a law firm in uh, New York City on Wall Street. Now, it was, uh, it was a relatively um, middle-of-the-road, maybe 30-, 40-attorney-sized firm. And uh, they got a, a new client in. And the client was going to be delivering to them a ridiculous amount of files. It was an insurance program, and there was just a lot of files that were there, thousands. And they knew, okay, we, we can do this work, but we need to staff it properly. And so they made a decision to bring in a staff of people. It was probably something around five or six people. 
And that, that was the big hire at that time for a mid-sized firm like that. Um, and they really looked at benefit. Remember what I said, can you afford it? Or is it so valuable that even if you can't afford it right now, you've got to find a way to make it happen? Well, that was their scenario where it was such a potential gold mine to have all this work in that it would be too painful to pass it up, even though maybe the budget didn't allow for a full staff to come on for this project at this time. But what they also did was they analyzed viability, viability, not liability, viability of the project. What was the long-term scope of the project? How many months, how many years for these cases to, uh, to evolve and develop? And what's the benefit over time? So this is not something that you just take lightly. You really need to do some honest analysis of your situation. Now, and I'm going to tell you one more thing, okay? My wife has just, you know, a tremendous amount of patience for me and, and for the businesses and, and, you know, the time that I devote. And even though she's got all this patience for me, there's time when, when, or times when she'll say, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Now, I don't know if your wife is involved in your business or not, but sometimes when you hear from family members uh, or relatives or friends, you should do this. You can't just jump on board that wagon without taking stock in, you know, the company yourself and figuring out, I understand that this person is suggesting that I do this, but do I really need to do it? Is it really the right thing to do? Is it just the fact that my wife wants me home more? She wants to see me more. Is that why she's making the suggestion? Um, what does she know? Well, you know, really, you've got to look at what you know. That's the only way it's going to work. So sometimes significant others, spouses, friends, family, they make all kinds of suggestions about what you should be doing with your business. And really, only you know what you should be doing with your business. And only you know those key factors, finances, needs, and, and skill set and whether or not the time can be saved elsewhere. Only you know that. So obviously, right, you don't want to anger your wife. No man wants to anger their wife. But if you, um, you know, if you just act on a family member's suggestion or direction, you, you're going to be doing yourself a disservice. Sure, it might work out sometimes, but you're better off to conduct that three-part analysis that I've been talking about, you know, for the last few minutes, okay? So, you know, for, for me, I do that analysis. And then if it looks like you need to bring somebody on, I do. And no matter how many employees you have, you know, 500, 600, 40, 30, 3, 2, whatever it might be, I, I would do that same analysis. And, um, and, and, and it's going to help you. It really will. Because you're going to have a better grasp on your situation you know are you just stressed out this week because you have deadlines coming up and do you want to hire somebody because you need to alleviate that immediate stress but what about next week what about the week after that what's your client you know uh intake going to be like how much work are you going to have how much product is your customer going to purchase that sort of thing that's going to help you evaluate that when you when you go through that three-part analysis so i hope brian that that answers the question for you obviously there is no um answer to your question no one can say to you 
here is when you hire somebody, here's when you don't. But I think that if you use the three-part analysis I've laid out, I think you'll be in a much better position to make an educated decision about whether or not you need to add more staff to your marketing business. Brian, I want to thank you so much. Um, hope you enjoy living in Fort Smith, New Hampshire, because it is a beautiful town. You'll be getting a UTL radio mug sent to you shortly. And I want to, again, thank today's sponsor, Junk Food Critic. If you want more information about them or to check out their YouTube page, go to junkfoodcritic.com. So thanks to them for sponsoring the show. That's going to do it for today. Don't forget that we have a show scheduled for tomorrow, which is uh, it's, it's going to be a really good show. We are going to be talking with the founders of the Paleo Bar. They were on uh, Shark Tank and have made a wonderfully popular and, and top-notch product. So we're going to be speaking to them tomorrow. Uh, we've got Business and Legal Week in Review on track for next Monday. And then we'll be back Tuesday and Wednesday with Legal Q&A Live and then Business Q&A Live. A lot of things going on. We also have two active giveaways, the Rich Kasperi giveaway, which will be closing shortly. So make sure you have uh, left your review after listening to that episode. And uh, the Beard Bro giveaway, where we're going to be giving away five brand new Beard Bros. Uh, Michael Burnett is going to be on the show in the next few weeks talking about his product and his company. So those giveaways are available or, or, or rules, terms and conditions are available on the website. And don't forget our back to school scholarship for you know, families that might need a little extra help getting their kids on track for school this year, there are uh, five $100 gift cards available. And all you have to do is uh, submit your your explanation as to how this money could help you and, and what you use it for, and you'll be, uh, you'll be considered for the, uh, the giveaway for the scholarship. So check that out. That's all on utlradio.com. Tell your friends, family, colleagues about utlradio.com and the benefit that you're receiving from it. Don't forget to communicate with me. Let me know what you like, don't like, suggestions, comments, anything that you've got to say. We will listen to it. I want to thank you all for subscribing and for tuning in today. And don't forget, you can listen to this on Blog Talk Radio, on the app, on iTunes, where you can subscribe to the show, or on utlradio.com. That's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, remember that there's power in understanding the law.
have brand new licenses in them so that the business can continue. Ready to choose to respond. The business was forced to close. We filed this complaint to uh, dissolve the company. Ready answered and alleged So that's what you should say, that's you. And then we'll tell anyone else to do. Quite frankly, if he took what I just said word for word, that would be the job. So you can try to relate it to him as best you can. I'm right back. Now, what we need to do is we need to find out, you know, what if I wait for Lisa to get back? All right, if Lisa is good to go, we have to find out. Tomorrow, tell him since you can 